This is Women in STEM Career and Confidence, the podcast for professional and STEM women wanting to restore confidence, make a meaningful impact, and balance the things and people that mean most to you. I'm Dr. Hannah Roberts, and I'll be sharing with you insights and inspiration into the mindset and skill set to help you navigate your career and lead powerfully. It's always lovely to have my past clients on the show. And I am so excited to introduce you to Kate Marshall. So after 17 years working at GSK, Kate made the big, bold move to join Protax Scientific Limited and is now their technical director. In this episode, we talk about how Kate believed so much in the technology, it enabled her to take the leap to Protax, overcoming her fear of public speaking, and it's now an integral part of her role and how she actually did that tangibly, and understanding her personality profile, which enabled her to flex her leadership and communication effectively. So let's dig in. Welcome, Kate, to Women in STEM Career and Confidence. I would love it if you could tell everybody who you are and what you're currently up to in the world. Hi, Hannah. Thank you very much for inviting me to this. Uh, So I'm Kate Marshall. I'm technical director of a company called Protax Scientific. Um, which is a company that provide into mainly pharma manufacturing, um, especially aseptic areas that use biodecontamination. And we have an alternative product to a traditional method of monitoring those processes. Um, and yes, I've been obviously had the pleasure of being coached by yourself um, last year. And it's really time to talk about some of the aspects that we covered in that coaching. I can tell that you've said your introduction a few times before, like, <laughs> this is who I am and this is what I do. It's very well polished, Kate. <laughs> so before we get into what we covered in coaching and where you're currently at, it's always nice to hear where people come from as well. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about your kind of career pathway and how you got to this position? Yes, and actually one of the aspects that really helped with that was some of the coaching tools. So the career pivots um, really helped me to sort of determine where I'd come from and what I, where I've ended up, really. Um, and some of the things I found along the way was I've been very much looking at areas I enjoyed, not so much um, some areas I didn't enjoy, but what decisions to make along the way. So my career really started long time ago back at the body shop working in microbiology and I just really enjoyed the area of um, work Um, spent a lot of time working in different areas within the body shop but kept coming back to microbiology so that then triggered a move into pharma manufacturing Um, and I spent 17 years at GSK working in different roles within the uh, microbiology field aseptic manufacturing Um, And each of my career path along the 17 years was really just a pivot into areas of wanting to look into where I could grow expertise and um, get more experience and gain more knowledge along the way. So I had a lot of opportunities opened up to me to really understand lots about this this field of work, which is so important, aseptic manufacturing. And as part of that journey, even from my first job in GSK, it was fed back into biodecontamination. So the use of hydrogen peroxide for biodecontamination. 
and I had touch points along my career there, ending up actually managing and being the project manager for for rollout of new technology uh, using hydrogen peroxide by decontamination. And that was a lot of validation using different tools and using traditional methods, biological indicators. So as part of that, I had to do a lot of understanding of engineering. So I became an engineer, really, and a lot into the mechanical areas of how the equipment works, understanding in simple terms what the benefits were, what needed to be changed on equipment to get the end process right for the beneficial use of the of the company. And along the way, having problems with the traditional method. So I actually found as part of that, that um, I found out about the company I now work for. So that was another career pivot where I found out about the technology, fell in love with it, absolutely got what the goal was of the technology and then had an opportunity to take on a job for the company. Uh, and that was over four years ago now. And I've ended up being the technical director for the company and looking at how we push that out for the rest of the industry. The biggest game changer for me as part of that was really understanding that I'd left one area of pharma to move back into the, the wider sort of pharma manufacturing community and aseptic manufacturing community and realizing it wasn't just a one area um, issue. It was a wider spread problem. It was an area where there were lots of concerns, lots of similar conversations. So my role now is really advocating the product, what the, how we can simplify the processes, how we can support the companies that we work with to really get some more information about the processes and make it more robust for the common goal of protecting the patient. I just want to start this episode with a message of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that tunes in to listen to this podcast. By doing so, you've enabled me to live out my dream of making a world that works for everyone. And it's one of the greatest privileges in my life to have real, heartfelt and vulnerable conversations that we can all learn from. I owe you a huge thanks for being here. And can I ask a favor? I cannot tell you how much it can change the reach and therefore the impact of this podcast by doing just one simple thing. And that thing is hitting the subscribe button. So thank you, and let's continue to open up together. It's very rewarding and very varied work, so. Yeah, I can hear that in the way that you're passionate and that you talk about the work. And I love that you kind of came across the technology first before mm. the company even came on the horizon. But you were at GSK for such a long time, right? 17 years, it's almost like you're a lifetime employee or on that track. Yeah. And you actually made that shift to move beyond that workplace into a startup company. So can you tell me about that change? I know you were following the technology, but what decisions, how did you feel about that kind of shift after such a long time at GSK? Yes, and it was a very, very big shift. Um, and a lot of discussions about what was the benefit? What could I gain from doing that? What was the, was it the right time? And What's interesting is you make these decisions on on your guts, on the feel, on and I always have to have a bit of a backup plan. So I had these ideas in my head. I was really lucky to leave the company on really, really good terms. 
I really wanted to really stretch myself and see if I could push myself into this new area. Um, and it being so aligned with what I found my passion to be and what I was interested in. For me, it was just a risk, a decision that I wanted to take because there would never be another opportunity to have something so aligned. So there was lots of discussions at home. <laughs> my husband, I think, was, well, do what you want to do. And lots of discussions because it was a big change for us um, being at a company for so long um being very close to the company as well so um and then going to a role that's very it's a global company we're supplying our enzyme indicators to to the world so I could end up going anywhere and having to be away from home so it's um it, it was a big change but definitely one that so there's no regret regrets for a bit so yeah good, good to hear <laughs> <laughs> But for you, you've said it was a big change. What has like specifically been the biggest change for you in reality, not the projected reality? Yes. So the change has really been working in a company where I was lucky not to be really thought of as much as a number, but you have a specific role, you have a specific area that you have to focus on. So it's a big company. There's lots of rules and procedures and processes in place that are all really set. So to be then moved into a company where you're starting from the ground up, you're starting to put those processes in place. I could really see a difference in being able to be involved from that starting. And it was really, for me, change has always been, I, I think I adapt to change pretty quickly um, and I, I thrive off of it as well. So for me, it was more having a go looking at what works looking at what way we have to change and and essentially that's how the business has now built up over that time because we've had to look at what how we adapt to the industry changes how we adapt the messaging that we're using what path and process do we go down and you don't necessarily get that opportunity in a bigger company because your your guidance is already set so you can make small changes to it but that takes a lot more time um, so the adapting very, very quickly to demands was was a massive change, but also a real benefit to moving. And I know you have a very can do attitude, like whatever is going on. You're like, I can find a I can find a way to make. Yeah. This happen. <laughs> <laughs> so we met at about the time when you had made that transition. So for you, what was it that you were hoping that coaching would help and support you with at that time? So really just to start to give a bit more structure and, and process. I'm such a structured and process-driven person that for me, I just needed some support with, okay, I can follow a process and I can follow a work process, but how do I put that structure into how I'm dealing with things and working with things and just giving myself that extra boost to to step up in a company that really needs to be pushed in a in a set direction or be able to adapt quickly um so for me it was really key to to get some tools and and have some um help and support with that that side of things oh yes it's been a while since we've been coaching <laughs> each other right so now I'm like oh yes I remember it always <laughs> had to be a structure and a process and a absolutely <laughs> um brilliant I'd forgotten that and when we were coaching together then what kind of structures processes tools did you find most helpful just being able to talk through certain um 
uh, you know, opportunities to look at improving areas of, of the style in which I was working, um, particularly around having to step up to really be the, the focus of the company and to speak with authority, being able to advocate for the company in a very, very you know, traditional scientific arena um, and and really advocate for this new technology that was going to be revolutionize how people would look at and see a certain process. You know, hydrogen peroxide biodecontamination is well known, but not so well known for what can impact it. Um, so for us to have a product and have the enzyme indicators that can really give you a lot more data and a lot more knowledge of what's happening in that process trying to get that message across to people, but then also be able to get them to really adopt it and, and understand it in a in an easy way um, and make make life easy for them as well to adopt it. So it was it was really about trying to switch more to not having a process to follow necessarily, but being able to adapt to having conversations um, with with a process in mind. So more of a a coaching ability to be able to talk about topics yeah right because I can remember you had a little bit shall we say of a fear around public speaking and in this kind of arena as you talked about you're the person coming in with a new technology needing to advocate for your particular technology in a space that potentially didn't always welcome the new yes. ideas of the new technology so there was a few fears going on around around mm -hmm. that so what did you do tell us and walk us through that process so having the coaching really gave me a lot more confidence to be able to look at what what other outside influences could help with that so a lot around that imposter syndrome and why do people want to hear from me and what they're thinking and you know how authoritative can I be and you know what's that messaging that I'm trying to give across and are they going to see that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, it's, it's not true. It's, um, you know, trying to get enough of the data across and being able to back that information up. So I spent a lot of time worrying about what the messaging was rather than that these are the benefits that that this product brings and this is what you can really find from, from it. Uh, and that could have been customer facing and lots of technical uh, presentations or now the, the bigger part was having to, have the standing on a stage in front of lots of people and and talking about the product and data being very data driven as well um so one of the areas i looked into was joining um actually toastmasters and speaker and going to a speakers club in a local uh, one local to me to really just put myself out there a little bit more um and and none of the topics i really spoke about there was to do about the company but it was just to get past that feeling of I'm stood here in front of people feeling very vulnerable um just to try and get take the edge off of that so I really pushed myself to 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 attend and it was really beneficial and it's something that I'm keen to continue as well it's not it's never as with anything it's never that you get to that final point and I don't need to do it anymore so I'm very keen to continue with that. 
Um, but that did allow me to pretty much ha hit the conference scene um, with lots of back-to-back -back conferences at lots of different levels and, and sizes and be able to talk about our product more confidently. Yes, they are. <laughs> I remember when you came up with the idea and I was like, oh, you're really <laughs> pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to go and uh, go, go to this. I've done it myself. And in the first time I was there, I won some kind of ribbon for doing it. And it may, makes you feel really like confident and good about your ability to be able to speak in front of yeah. you. Um, so I'm definitely a big advocate for that. The other side of it, so that was like more of the technical side of things and taking the edge off, because obviously the more times we do something, the easier it becomes to you know, be that outward facing person. Mm -hmm. But there's also the internal chatter that mm -hmm. goes on in your own head. Like, what are they thinking about me? What are they saying behind my back? What if I don't prepare enough and I don't have all the detail? Mm -hmm. So we have all those kind of voices that come up too. And we did a little bit of work around what I call voice dialogue, which is, I mean, just for everyone's info, the premise is that we all have different voices in our heads. We're not completely crazy. One voice says, go for a walk at lunchtime. It's beautiful. And the other one says, no, you've got, you know, a hundred emails, sit at your desk and eat your lunch. Now, depending upon which voice is strongest determines which action you take next. And when we're talking about public speaking, often this kicks up a lot of people's, what I call inner critic voice, that really critical nitpicky voice and the one that compares you very unfavorably to other people. And we worked with a lot of these different selves in order to give you the space to be able to, like you said, get some perspective over mm -hmm. that imposter syndrome and be able to regain the choice in your behaviors actions and how you feel about the situation too is it okay if you tell us a little bit about your voice dialogue selves journey yes so really looking at getting out there what's in what was in my head so what was it that was a real concern so we really dug into what is it what am I afraid of what is the fear what what really getting down to the crux of the matter and then also doing a lot about thoughts on a spot so really trying to get those out there um also just a few um processes before going out to for speaking trying to remain calm or or re-energize and really get those thoughts out there before then putting yourself in that position of being in a, in out there in front of everyone um and that made a huge difference as well um, and as you say about having a uh, having a ribbon from Toastmasters, um, I actually pushed myself to enter a competition and, and came second for a humorous speech. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> longest, I think it was only like two, two, three minutes, but it felt like the longest time. And because it was humorous for me, that was just completely out of character as well. To come up with a humorous speech, um, I came up with a topic around um, some some affectionate um, nickname that my son gives me about being a Karen, um, <laughs> and um, and spoke about that. And um, that really, really put me out of my comfort zone, but also just almost made it a bit lighter with having a completely different subject area. So it gave me a reference point. So when the negative self-talk comes in, when those vulnerabilities are really there, it gave me a reference point to go, look, if you can stand there and do that, 
then in an area that you're not confident in and would never put yourself out there to do, you're talking from authority. You're talking about a topic area you're passionate about. So you can you can do this. Um, and that really, really helps. So um, I have my little rituals beforehand. <laughs> I would agree. I think having a reference point to be able to refer back to and remind yourself of is so important when you're trying to push beyond your comfort zone. Like always being able to come back to that reference point. Just for those people listening at home who don't know what thoughts on the spot are, this is when, um, say you're in a meeting or just before you're about to start something like a presentation or an interview, this is where you take each thought that's going in your head and you find a spot on the wall, whether it's like a dirty mark on the wall or whether it's a picture or something and you project the thoughts and you take them from your head and you put them over there. So you might say, oh, I'm really worried about um, how this is going to be perceived by this particular person because they're in particular very nitpicky and put that thought on the spot on the wall. Oh, what if I forget to say all the things that I want to say, put it on the wall and you keep going until there's no more thoughts left in your head and you've got them all out. And just reminding yourself that, okay, those are thoughts, they're not the truth. They're just thoughts, like passing thoughts. And that it's not all of you that believes them either. It's just a part of you that is having those thoughts and believes those things. So this isn't like split personality where that's a actual, um, this is like a diagnosis and prognosis. Um, this is like normal everyday thoughts that people have as well. So if that helps anyone at home, I, I hope that you can use that as well. And the other thing was around inducing the state that you want to be in before mm -hmm. you give a presentation. So being, you know, through music or however you want to do it, but induce the state and the energy that you want to be in when you present. Mm -hmm. Was there a, did you use music? Was there a particular song or something that helped you there, okay? I think it's just a, a genre of, of song. So for me, it's a bit, having a bit of the energy going and then it would just be using something I might've been listening to. I tend to use a lot of um, music on, on a flow anyway um, and it's become quite intuitive now it kind of knows what what mood I'm in or what I want to listen to and when you just get those key ones um, that just you, you can feel that energy um, so so I've already got sort of like a soundtrack of songs that I listen to that would um, and it, it, again it just depends on what the context of the presentation is as to to Try, mainly trying to be a bit more high energy or something that's um Jamiroquai is probably one of my favorite ones so <laughs> it just tends to be something like that that I listen to um just to be able to get in that in that mood so yeah get yourself in the zone yeah I'm not sure the AI algorithm has caught up on my Spotify account yet <laughs> definitely not got driving music to swimming at 5 30 in the morning sorted oh, all no. over the place <laughs> <laughs> um, good and so with this awareness of how all of these different selves are interacting in your own brain your ability to be able to get space and choose your behaviors and action that was in the realm of presenting but how else has that benefited you in the terms of you know, being a technical leader in a startup company so really trying to drive 
um, projects forward, um, being able to, again, around when it comes to behaviours, when it comes to sort of communication or being able to work through um, you know, team meetings and, and things to try and, again, if it's process driven, I've always been very good at finding a process, right, this is what we're following. It's allowed me to really look at how that can be focused back onto what we're trying to achieve. Um, so what the team need to achieve, what we need to achieve collectively, how we have the discussions, how we have clear line of communication. Um, and and that is a, a ever evolving as, as the company grows as well. Um, but just being able to look at that um, to help everyone else within the team as well as to what I think my one of the other areas that's really helped was understanding um, the the sort of insight side of things. So where we did the talent dynamics, uh, looking at what my personality and work type is. Now, being very on the technical side, project-driven, process-driven, it tends to be that I have a team that's the same. So being able to really look at what the needs are of the team, as well as drive that to maybe diversify slightly so that you can broaden that um, has really helped. So, And I suppose having that awareness that your team are very similar to you in terms of technicality, potentially personality. You've also got insights into how better to, um, or how best to get the best out of them and communicate effectively as a team as well. Of course, yes. with team nuances and specifics as well. Yes, and, and being able to look back over it and say, right, that's not working. So what do we do? How do we evolve that? What's what's the best process that we can adapt to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're all, you know, everyone, I've always had that view as well, that everyone's there to do a good job. We're all there to do succeed and be successful for the company and for our own personal personal goals as well. So how do we get the best out of that? So it is, it's always going to evolve. Um, I think we're just going through another iteration now as we grow, but, um, but yeah, it definitely helps with that side of things as well. And I think once you've got awareness of the different cells, the different parts that are going on, it also takes less energy to make decisions because there's mm -hmm. less fear and less worry and less in the yeah. decision-making process. So things tend to happen faster and there's an increase in velocity within which you can decide. And therefore, as a leader, that's going to be hugely important. Yes, yeah, definitely. And that's that's what I really... I'm so keen to keep developing is just being a really good leader, um, not just within the company, but, you know, really that advocating for what the company goals are, but also how we use that within the industry. Um, and that was the biggest eye opener, I think, with I have my own personal reasons for in wanting to move and wanting to be part of this of the company. Um, but seeing what the industry challenges are and being being able to be part of that means I just have to push myself to 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 improve and 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 adapt to that as well. So it, everything has really helped with that side of things. Amazing, and I know that now you've got a little bit more energy and time 
back yes. to yourself, you were able to invest that in meaningful projects to you. So mm -hmm. we were just talking about how you've engaged with the ISP Women in Pharma group. So tell me a bit yeah. more about, about that. Yes, yeah, so that was really, um, I, I spent a lot of time in GSK as part of the Women in Leadership um, group as well. And it was a really key goal for me to sort of continue that. Um, having been in an area of work and branching from being more the scientific in the microbiology field, then into a more engineering role it is a very heavily dominated male um, role and, and being able to advocate and just stick to getting the process, how we want things to be and working in that area. So we all have to develop styles. We've all had to adapt, um, to working together with that. And for me to be part of the ISP group, the Women in Pharma, um, which again, a very strategic um, group to look at a growing number of, um, especially for uh, emerging leaders and early um, careers to come into these areas. Um, just being able to sort of share experiences, give advice, be able to look at how we can really continue that messaging on behalf of the UK ISP members was important. Um, using some of the information, um, we've, we've had some brief presentations on it, but really pushing to have a bit more of a, um, a presence and a bit more active focus on what we can deliver for ISP in that area um, has been really important part of me being involved. So that's growing as, as we continue through the year. So. And I have no doubt that you're being a very important mentor and role model in that space as well. And I always like to ask this question because it, I, I think we're full of wisdom and we don't really realize it. So if you were to go back to any point in the timeline of your life and whisper a piece of advice in your ear, which point in your history would you go back to and what would you say to yourself? Oh, at least I've done this exercise now. So <laughs> the career pivots. <laughs> so oh, have I already um, made you think about this? <laughs> you have. Um, so really, it's interesting because there's been probably five key pivots along the my career. Um, I think it's just continue doing what I did. Uh, just being curious. For me, being curious has always been... Um, asking the why for me it's always been about what why are we doing this what's the objective and I think that's just hold me in really good stead um, because for me to understand what 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 the goal is and how I can get to it I've always asked that question um, and that's essentially how I've made a lot of decisions on the on my career path um, there's been different ways of uh, um, different points along the time um, but my work timeline where I could have gone in a completely different direction um, and, and at some points actively pushing to go in a different direction um, but something it feels like it's just fate but I've made decisions I made just active decisions at that point and I think it was just that being curious and just keep being curious um, those life skills I think become a lot more beneficial than actually having to feel like you're knowledgeable scientifically it's the skills that you learn of 
actually putting things into practice that really help as well. Mm, I hear it so often people saying I just need to get another qualification to feel uh, competent or like I can do a certain thing and it's often not the case that we do sometimes you need qualifications sometimes it's about having that confidence in your own abilities as well and I think your piece there around stay curious and ask why like why mm-hmm. is it important is um is a really, really simple way of viewing career pivots as well. And which which is always a good thing, simplify things. So you've had a look backwards. If we apply that to your current situation and we look forwards instead of backwards for a change, where are you curious at the moment and what big why are you asking yourself? So the big why for me in terms of role, I'm lucky enough to be where I want to be um it's going to be on the scale of the company as to what that looks like um the the staying curious for me is how do we continue to you know our biggest goal is and my personal goal as well is to get to a point where the use of our product the enzyme indicators is just routine so how do we get to that point how do we make the industry recognize it as well as all the regulatory bodies and you know how do we get our product really out there um and that's where the stay curious comes in because it can change every day there can be a different new strands that we have to look at to go right okay this approach will really accelerate that um and it's just really continuing to stay curious, stay up to date, stay knowledgeable on on where the where the um, pinch points are for the industry and how our products can help. Um, and as our team grows, we're getting more and more people within the company that can really strengthen that and just being able to stay open to those discussions. So sounds like a very exciting time at work at yeah. the moment. <laughs> So I have one final question for you. So if someone else was thinking about starting coaching with me, what piece of advice would you give them? <laughs> I think it would it would be the same again. It would just be re- be open to it. Um, there were certainly some areas where before we entered into some of our coaching sessions, I would be thinking, well, I don't think, I'm not sure this is going to, this is going to work or you pose a question and I think oh I don't I don't really know what the answer is but yet it the benefits you get from being open from being open to discuss and share and and work through situations has really helped um and I yeah I can definitely look back over um the advice given and the tools given to see where those benefits have come in so so thank you (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I've really enjoyed coaching you. So I think the big, uh, the big piece of advice there is stay open and stay open. curious. And I, I, one of my mentors always says to me, remain open at the times when you want to close the most. Mm. Yes, yes, definitely. Because that's the, you know, there there could have been a few times where, not, no, I'd never dreaded. Our, our calls Hannah but it'll be, it'll be I don't really know what we're going to talk about today and how we you know what's the situation there's all this going on and that is the point where the most would come out of that session and I would always leave feeling 
oh right okay that bit's that I've got a plan <laughs> so it's um definitely yeah I definitely agree with that amazing well thank you so much for sharing your journey your experience with everyone today and we will definitely take your advice moving forwards as well so thank you Kate thank you thank you for listening to women in stem career and confidence what was your key takeaway today to start your intentional careers journey take the career accelerator scorecard and receive a personalized report to transform your career design strategy all you need to do is go to scorecard.intentional-careers.com forward slash strategy and don't worry the link is available in the show notes